Welcome to the Innovation and Compliance Podcast, part of the Compliance Podcast Network. Join us every week as we talk with industry innovators who are making compliance to help business run more efficiently and at the end of the day, more profitably. Here's your host, Tom Fox. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox back for another episode, and you are in for a real treat today because I have with me Brandon Carl. Brandon is with Digital Reasoning. And digital reasoning does audio analytics and audio work in a way that, frankly, I think is extraordinarily unique, but more important, not really focused on by the compliance practitioner and commercial organizations. So, Brandon, with that long-winded introduction, first of all, welcome and thank you for taking the time to visit with me today. Thanks for having me, Tom. So, Brandon, I was wondering if you could talk to us a little bit about your professional background. It seems like you've come out of the financial industry or at least financial services, and that that may have kind of informs how you look at this technological solution around audio analytics. Yeah, happy to, Tom. And I did. I spent the first more than half of my career working at the investment banks. I started off in institutional sales of interest rate derivatives at Bank of America to bank portfolios and mortgage servicers and covered a number of accounts through the financial crisis. So I was able to see very firsthand what the impacts had been of various forms of misconduct and the like, watching the subprime crisis unfold. And then I went on to Nomura Securities and did global macro and forecasting there before eventually landing at Digital Reasoning. So the role you hold at Digital Reasoning is listed as Senior Director of Artificial Intelligence. Could you tell us what that entails? Absolutely, Tom. And I apologize. I think my LinkedIn profile is a bit old here. About 18 months ago, I helped to create the Applied Machine Learning Group at Digital Reasoning, which consisted of our data science team and our applied research team, our data scientists who were creating machine learning models for customers and in-house, and then our applied research team who was scouring the latest in terms of research, as well as creating our own technologies to bring to our customers. That included both text analytics and audio analytics. So I ran the applied research team and then recently was asked to take the role of vice president of product management, where I oversee our product portfolio and focus on bringing together not only the research side of the equation and the machine learning models, but the development side as well. Brandon, many of the listeners to this podcast are in a compliance field a little bit different than perhaps the precise target market of digital reasoning. They would be anti-corruption compliance practitioners. They might be export control compliance practitioners. They might be AML compliance practitioners. But one thing they all have in common, and I think has in common with your clients, are the risks around customers. So I was wondering if we might start with the digital reasoning solutions around customers and what's the problem with customers from your perspective? And then how does the digital reasoning solution help your customers around their customers? Yeah, absolutely. And interestingly enough, digital reasoning got its start working with government institutions on identifying bad actors. And so when we shifted some of our efforts into conduct surveillance, it was a very natural foray into looking for misconduct or bad actors within financial markets. And if you take a step back, the key behind all of these regulations is to instill confidence for those people who are participating in markets. The reason why we care about things like inside information is so that people can have confidence that the stock price 
fairly reflects all material public information, right? That there's nothing being hidden there. And if you take a look at market manipulation, many of those mechanisms are to ensure that the market is protected and liquid and that people can come in and be confident that the trades they're going to engage in don't involve front running or the like. And so while our technology most specifically looks at the conduct of the bank traders and salespeople, it does detect aspects of the complaint language and pressure and the like, because ultimately it's making sure that that market and the prices that the bank's customers are getting are very fair. Brandon, in your website, under a tab called Uncover and Mitigate Reputational Risks, it lists four risks. And I'm going to read these out because I don't have to change too many words to make these absolutely applicable to an anti-corruption compliance practitioner. So number one, identify emerging risks. Number two, accumulate customer-centric insights. Number three, focus action on highest priorities. And number four, enhance CRM system knowledge. Those are actually things that the U.S. government in the form of the Department of Justice instructs compliance practitioners to do. So I was wondering if you just might be able to walk us through how the digital reasoning solution would work on each one of those. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that the best way to understand this might be examining a situation that you might encounter between perhaps a salesperson or a trader and a customer. When you take a look at bad actors in general, you tend to find two buckets that people will fall into, right? There will be negligent bad actors, in which case they're not having bad intentions, but they may not just know the legislation or the laws, or they may not be aware that what they're engaging in is either illegal or unethical. And then you have nefarious bad actors who are working to skirt the systems, who are engaging intentionally in this sort of misconduct. And so what you see as you take a look at these is that even though legislation might be around a specific form of market manipulation or anti-bribery or anti-corruption, you do see signals in how people communicate. You see situations where people may be asking people to keep things confidential or after engaging in some form of misconduct, if you are a narcissistic individual, you may see boasting that that comes out after the fact. And this may be tied to a specific customer trade that went through. And so what we do with the technology is we look for these, not only these forms of misconduct, but these behavioral signals. And as you're highlighting, there are applications of that, not only to anti-bribery and anti-corruption, but also to traditional insider threat and to risks around possibly churning customers and regulated complaints, as well as the traditional forms of conduct surveillance that we engage in. How is that information presented to a compliance officer, to a manager, or to one of your customers so that they might either move to stop the conduct if they believe it is moving to an area that is either in violation of a company policy or moving towards something worse, or to help them remediate the situation to fix it before it becomes something more serious? Sure. There are really two views of the world that our customers traditionally think of. One is an alert-based view, and the way that you can think of that is as a single communication traveling through time, where the algorithms will scan the communications for the various alerts that you need a team to review, and those teams will then dig in or investigate on those alerts, which is the second portion of the view. So what we have found is that from an alerting mechanism standpoint, while you want that to be document or communication-centric, 
as you shift over into investigations, now you want to begin to amalgamate the various alerts that have happened over time. And we'll typically think of those as either weak indicators of misconduct that could be, you know, complaints uh, that could be boasting or strong indicators of misconduct, which could be indicating that they had just engaged in a very specific form of activity. So traditionally, our users will see two views of the world. One will be the alert queue, which has the intention of identifying, prioritizing, and triaging the alerts, as well as the profile view, which facilitates those investigations. One of the other things that struck me is that we've talked about this in the context of compliance, risks, risk management, and risk mitigation. But these can be used for a variety of other reasons. So, for instance, you can take the conduct surveillance and combine that with structured and unstructured data to give insights to build full 360-degree employee profiles. And then it seems to me that this leads to it's broad enough for a customer to keep pace with evolving regulatory demands, Dodd-Frank, Sarbanes-Oxley, and a variety of other regulatory schemes that the government is continually updating. Would those be fair assessments? Yeah, I think that would be. When you can wed a compliance tool to help someone do a 360 employee profile, that to me is really utilizing compliance across multiple silos. Do you find that to be accurate as well? Yeah, we really do think that's true. And an interesting aspect that I think has emerged is if you look at financial institutions, oftentimes it has been this risk function and then specifically the electronic communication surveillance that has led with respect to bringing machine learning on unstructured data to the enterprises. And the reason for that in part was really born out of necessity. You had regulations that required that they be surveilling these particular communications and the methods that they were using four, five, six years ago, and some people even today were simply not scalable in terms of the staff that they had to bring on to keep pace with the deluge of communications that they would be receiving. And so this necessitated a machine learning approach to the world. And these groups ended up really leading their institutions with respect to how to apply machine learning to unstructured communications data. And as you pointed out, as the world has evolved and come along and begun to take a look at things like 360 degree views and the like, they've realized that your communications say a lot about who you are and they say a lot about what you do. And so what we find very often is that individuals who have grown up or been born into these roles of communication surveillance are finding that they are getting requests from across their institutions to engage more broadly in a variety of use cases. And then the other thing, I don't think it says so specifically, but it strikes me that in addition to the specific language and data, that the AI tool and solution would allow a company to look at broader patterns. So, for instance, who's communicating with whom? Are there communications between someone in sales and someone in supply chain? It's certainly one thing for someone to pick up the phone and call their internal legal department to ask a legal question. But if there are a large number of communications to departments which do not normally interact, and then followed by, for instance, sending emails to a Gmail or other account outside of the organization, are those types of activities, can you draw on those to show patterns? So the way that we traditionally think about an approach product development uh, with respect to this is first enabling the user to have tools to facilitate their own discovery and investigation. 
And as we find patterns working with our customers that are repeatable and useful, we'll tend to then move those to automated aspects of that same form of human investigative behavior. And that's really where the alerts come out of. And then finally, as you have the discovery leading to investigations and alerts, the last step with that is really beginning to marry those together and synthesize those. And so depending on where you're at within the investigation cycle, we try to provide various tools that correspond to that. And so we're constantly looking for the aspects of this that we can move into you know, automation and eventually synthesizing that information together. Brenda, unfortunately, we are near the end of our time, but I was wondering if our listeners wanted to find out any more information on digital reasoning, where can they go? Yeah, you could certainly go to our website. We're also active on social media. And then if you're old fashioned like I am, a phone call is always nice and we'd love to speak to you. Brandon, this has been a fascinating exploration. You've really, I think, articulated a lot of things that obviously you guys are doing in financial services industries, but I'm seeing just a much broader application. And I wrote down the phrase human investigative behavior, which I thought was just spot on for a very wide variety of topics. So I, for one, greatly look forward to continuing the conversation. Likewise, Tom. Thanks for having me. If you're a compliance professional looking for a convenient and effective way to fulfill your continuing education requirements, go to fcpacompliancereport.com slash courses and choose from four hour-long training packages that will keep you current. That's fcpacompliancereport.com slash courses.